This episode of the Pretty Happy Podcast is brought to you by our website, prettyhappy.place. Please visit our website to support the show. On this week's episode, we sit down with the lovely Anna Dance Heimberger. But first, we share some ideas to make the transition back to school a little bit easier. Today is Monday, August 15th. Let's start the show. Welcome to the Pretty Happy Podcast. My name is Sam. And I'm Sarah. And we're the parents of Zoe, a child with Brett Syndrome. And welcome to another episode, episode 44? 43. Three. 43. I'm reading my notes wrong. <laughs> Regardless, almost 50. Right? Very close to 50. Ooh, what are we going to do on 50? Same crap. <laughs> Same crap. <laughs> I think we should do something special. Do the same crap. <laughs> I'm going to come up with something special for everybody. Oh, geez. Well, now I've got to prepare for something crazy. Not crazy, just special. Mm. That's what they all say. That is what I say. And then it becomes wild. Well, we'll see. Well, let's jump right into our top three for today. And just as Sarah mentioned at the top of the show, we are going to be talking about some back to school stuff. I do have to preface this, though. I was uh, doing a little bit of research on our demographics before we started this. And 5% of our audience comes from Australia. And they're not back to school right now. They're in school <laughs> right now. So I apologize for uh, those of you, the 5% of you. In Australia, who are listening, Australia, New Zealand, that part of the uh, the world. Um, this is not for you right now. So if you want, you could skip past this segment, put a bookmark in it, and then come back. Yes. When you start school in February, I think it's February. I then also begin to do a deep dive into school calendars in Australia. Uh huh. Yeah. So. I was like, I wouldn't have even gotten close to February. I have no idea what... Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what our children's school schedules are. Don't. To don't, be completely honest. Don't confess to your sins. Well, you know what? I just did. <laughs> Too right. late. All right. Well, Sarah, number one. What have we got? We have send a letter home. Huh? So, okay. <laughs> I will I will explain. So what I mean by that is sometimes it is hard for the parents of the children in your child's class to understand what is going on in their classroom. And it, it kind of depends on ages too. The younger the 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 kid the harder it's going to be for them to be like, oh, yeah, I have a classmate who, you know, has this and this and this and this and this. So to make it easier, 
And so the parents know what the crap you're, their children are talking about when they say, oh, yeah, I have a classmate who uses a computer to talk. We write a letter to the parents of Zoe's classmates, basically just explaining this is who Zoe, Zoe is. These are some of the things that, you know, might be a little bit different about her school exter- experience that your child is going to see. And yeah, basically just kind of explaining this is Zoe. She's going to be in your kid's class. Yeah. Yeah, we did that last year. It was really easy, straightforward, just mm-hmm. handed it off to the general education teacher who then put it in the backpacks of all the kids. They took it home and that was all she wrote. And it was, there were a a couple of parents that had ended up reaching out to us because of that. Yeah. Which was awesome because it gave us an opportunity to, you know, advocate and educate. So. Yeah. Which is always good. So an easy passive way to do it. I know a lot of families that will have one of these sorts of cards or info sheets or one sheets, whatever you want to call it, that kind of just gives a rundown. And a callback to our previous episode, you can use uh, Miho, which uh, was one of the bits of technology that we talked about. Yeah, You can use that to um, give some more details, some less details, whatever you want. So you have it in a single location. You just have to update it in one spot and then you print it out and you're good to go. Exactly. All right. Well, let's jump on to number two. Number two is, I forget what the, like, what you would call it. What? I, I, I had a category for this and I forgot what the category was. I was going to It's run it. down. Well, I know, but that's not the category. Anyway, number two is adaptive backpacks from Target specifically. Target has these awesome... I think it's adaptive supplies is what you're talking about. Yes. <laughs> that is. Yes, you do have backpacks listed here, but you have other stuff. I do. <laughs> I just <laughs> lost everything. Everything just left my brain. <laughs> anyway, adaptive supplies is what we're talking about for number two. Okay. So you already mentioned the backpack. Yes. They're really cool. I just want to tell you a little bit more about them because they're really awesome the backpacks from target are part of their adaptive line they have straps to hook onto wheelchairs they have um, ports for like tubing and cords and whatnot that need to wires there you go thank you i don't know where my words are tonight today you took a nap today i know what (laughs) It, it sucked all of my communication out of my brain. Apparently. It's so much worse than normal today. Okay. Anyway. So it has, it has ports so that you can have cords, uh, tubing, wires going in and out. Easy Twizzlers. access. Twizzlers. Straws. Yes. Any sort of that. Dog leashes. What? Fishing line. Okay. Anyway, Target also has Billy shoes. If you don't know what Billy shoes are, they are shoes that 
completely unzip. They go down the, the side, they unzip all the way around the top of the toe so that your foot just sits inside and then you can like fold the top over and zip it back up. They're really great if your individual has DAFOs, AFOs, SMOs, you know, ankle orthotics. ABCs. Yes. One, two, threes. Yes. It all it all works together. Perfect. Perfect. All right. And finally, number, number three. three. Passing it off to you. Pa- passing it off to me? Yeah. Oh, geez. Now I have to work. Okay. Well, the number three is one that I know can be hard depending on your situation, but... Oftentimes during out-of-school season, as parents, we like to let our kids kind of do what they want. They don't have a lot of responsibilities going on, so we let them stay up late. Our children get up early regardless. Yes, they Hopefully do. their children go to, <laughs> go to bed late and then they sleep in late. Regardless of what your situation is, if you can start getting back into a routine... That can potentially help with your child's transition back into school. And I had forever ago somebody tell me with daylight savings time that in the week leading up to daylight savings time, uh, the change, that if you were to adjust bedtime by 10 or 15 minutes, depending on what, when you start doing it, Uh by the time you get to... The Sunday when daylight savings time has ended or begun, whatever it is, your kid has already transitioned to that time. So anyways, if you've been having your child um, stay up later um, and you're wanting them to start going to bed earlier, doing a little bit of a transition where it's 10 to 15 minutes each day that they're going to bed earlier and earlier, that way when it actually gets to the first day of school... They are ready to go, and it's not just ripping the Band-Aid off, which sometimes works and oftentimes doesn't. So so anyways, that's a, uh, another thing that you can do for um, transitioning back to school. Sarah, do you have anything else to add? Good luck to everybody. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> I know we need it. I'm sure there's others that need it. I'm ready for my kids to go back to school. They are ready to go back to school. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Zoe is done with me. She is so done with me. The past couple of therapy sessions, as soon as the therapist gets there, she will say goodbye to me. Like she'll literally look at me, go to her Toby, say goodbye, and then look at me again because she wants me to leave because her therapist is there. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. She wants to talk to somebody else. Yep. She's done with me. She's ready to go back to school. Mm-hmm. So good luck to everybody out there who is sending their children to school, their teenagers to school. Take a nap if you can. Have a nice little break once they're gone out of mm-hmm. the house, if possible. Mm-hmm. Enjoy it.
Welcome back, everybody. We are excited to have on the show with us today, Anna Dance Heimberger, who is coming to us from Utah, and she is going to share with us a little bit about her family situation. Her daughter, Lucy, has Rett syndrome, and uh, we didn't talk about this at the beginning, Anna, before we got on. How old is Lucy? Lucy is 14 years old. 14. So we can uh, we can look to what Lucy is accomplishing and say, Zoe, you can do that too, right? Yes, we did the same. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, that's one of the great things that I, I've enjoyed about having these conversations with people is looking at what is possible and saying, yeah, Zoe, you can do it. You can do it. And then if she can do it, that's fine. We find something else because there's so many people who are doing so many amazing things in spite of Rett syndrome. Anyways, welcome to the show, Anna. <laughs> Appreciate you coming on and talking with us. We're so excited to have you. Thank you. I'm very excited to be on your show. Good. Well, let's just jump right into the most important thing. Let's uh, hear about your family. Tell us a little bit about yourselves, you personally, and then, of course, your family. Okay. Um, we are a family of five and one fur creature. That's our dog. And Lucy is our youngest. She's 14. And then she has two older brothers. And we family planned a little differently than some folks. So they're spread apart by about five years. And for us, that just felt right. So her older brother is 10 years older than her, actually. And we live in a small mountain village called Midway, nestled up against the mountains in Utah, which is just the next valley over from Park City. So we have lots of hiking and skiing and horses and nature around us. And that's why we have chosen to live here as we love wild spaces. And so does Lucy for that part too. Midway is amazing. Uh, I've, I've driven through it many times. I, we've been to Midway together, right? Yeah. We've traveled yeah. through Midway together. Nearby, you've got beautiful Soldier Hollow. Uh, one of my yes. favorite things at Soldier Hollow is the sheepdog competition. Hey. Yeah. Okay. And, and it's, you can and that's... be our guest when you come next time <laughs> because my husband announces and Lucy and I go every what? year. What? What? Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. That means they were <laughs> probably there the year that we went in person. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is one of the most amazing things. It's incredible. Uh, you need to definitely look at some videos on it if anybody uh -huh. is, is interested. I try to teach my children to do the same commands. Hasn't quite worked. <laughs> no, no, no. I think that children are, are far more stubborn than a sheepdog, unfortunately. Yes. So. But wouldn't it be nice to just whistle <laughs> and they and they go the direction you want them yes, to go? Exactly. What happens if you can't whistle? Uh, well, I mean, they have they have tools. Oh, that's tools. true. So mm -hmm. you can, uh, that's you, true. You, it, it's this little metal thing. Um, I saw a video recently of called a, a whistle. I don't, I don't know what it's called. I don't know <laughs> what it's called, but I saw a video of a guy who, uh, he decided to try out, uh, sheepdog herding and, uh, he couldn't whistle. And so they got him this little metal thing that he put in his mouth and that took care of it. No mm. problem. Is that's it like, cool. is it like the, like the Kirky? The Kirky Collars. The Kirky Collars? The Kirky Collars. <laughs> the Turkey Collars are like the mm -hmm. the songbird thing that you like put in your mouth and yep. then... Yep. Oh, uh -huh. gosh. Yep. It's exactly like That's that. That's cool. So anyways, we've digressed from the most important part, yes. which is learning about your family. <laughs> I just got really excited about sheepdogs uh, because they're amazing. But uh, so you, yeah, you guys uh, planned... I mean, we've got five 
in our family as well with a little fur creature too. Um, the inverse though, Zoe is the oldest and then uh, her two brothers are younger and we are squashed. I was going to say, instead of having them five years apart, we had all three of them in five years. <laughs> yeah, there's a beauty to that, too. You know, everybody does it a little different. Uh, I don't know. I don't know about beauty. I think it's uh, insanity. Pure what chaos. It yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, Lucy, she came along, the very baby at the, at the tail end there. And uh, what, was, what was that like for your family, having her come along? And, ah, well, that's really interesting because... I was driving home from work one day and I was trying to think of some things in, in which A, our family could become closer together as the kids were starting to get a little older. And B, I'm like, we we are a really lucky family. We have a lot of energy and a lot of love to spare. So I started to think, oh, maybe we should foster somebody, you know, give that love to somebody else who maybe needs a little extra. And um, unbeknownst to me, you know, I was pregnant with Lucy and she came along. So I think that was maybe the universe saying, here's the gift you were looking for to accomplish those deeds. So Lucy came along, um, born, uh, came early, which is very normal in the RET world, actually, and was born perfectly, didn't really have any things that told us that she had something different. She spent some time in the NICU, which I hear is very common as well. Um, And then about a year, about a year, she wasn't hitting certain milestones. And I kept on saying, hey, she's not doing this. And of course, all of the doctors and people around us were saying, hey, you can't judge child by child. You know, oh, your boys were just doing things earlier. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay. And then like the next week, I'd I'd bring up the same thing. Hey, she's not doing this or that. Meaning she wasn't necessarily wanting to sit up or crawl. She kind of rolled. She did some special things. Um, She was eating fine. She had all the other motor skills, but she didn't, she kind of seemed to have a lack of of balance and or motivation to do that. But we just kind of persevered and went through that. And we kept on being told, don't judge that child from the other children you have since we'd had the other two. But um, my mama heart said something, something's different. So I started to pursue a few things just with early intervention, trying to maybe get her up to speed, thinking she was uh, delayed. Perhaps that was something I had heard that happens a lot. If you have a preemie that some of their milestones can be delayed. So you kind of have to help them move along. And that put us in touch with a really great small band of people who came in and did some like PT and OT, more just movement, trying to get her excited or seeing is she really capable of this. And a speech person, because she was babbling, but was not, not, not really like, you know how you would coo and the other ba- another baby would coo back at you. Mm-hmm. She wasn't doing that necessarily. And through them, we were kind of noticing some other things. She had reflex and of course, wasn't hitting some of these milestones. She kind of had all these weird things all over that were happening and we couldn't figure out what was going on. And one of our people in that small band of early intervention said, have you ever thought about, they were trying to give us some clues because we started to go down 
looking at everything? You know, does she have pica because she used to comb the carpet for hair or things? Or is she missing this mineral or something here? But again, looking at her, she was just perfectly formed. And so they, we took her to a geneticist and they're like, nothing's wrong. And this one woman in that early intervention group said, have you ever thought about RET? Well, I'd never heard of that. I heard of Tourette's, you know, <laughs> where you swear a lot and from Gone with the Wind, Rhett, you know, but, and so immediately we kind of stuck that word in Wikipedia and it kind of, it brought up a short list of things that definitely were kind of diagnosable traits for Rhett and Lucy had all of them except for two. And at the time we were like, whoa, maybe we found out what's going on. And we were really excited. Um, and so we started to push for our test and we got with a special doctor through a lovely children's hospital here called Primary Children's. And to get tested, we were denied at the time because uh, they didn't think she had anything wrong with her. And again, I was like, something's going on, you know, and, and so um, we pushed for another test and the doctor believed something was going on too. So she helped advocate for us and got the blood test and it's easy. And I still remember it was in July. So we're coming up on an anniversary and we were over at my mother-in-law's. I was mowing the lawn. We were doing some service and the test results came in and my husband came over and we sat on one of those old timey kind of benches, you know, think of small town that has a bench and like the little umbrella that comes over and it squeaks every time you're on it. Mm -hmm. And he just said, we got the results. And again, we went from, yeah, maybe it'll be red because we wanted so badly to know what was going on and to maybe connect the dots. And he said, she is red. I don't want to get emotional, but I remember thinking, I wasn't ex excited <laughs> yeah. and it was pretty devastating because with that, then we went back to that same doctor and she explained more of what that would look like, the loss of skills. And um, immediately we had asked, can you put us in touch with some other parents or older girls? Because I wanted to know what that future would look like. And um, she said, no, because Rhett was new enough um, that she felt the girls that she was aware of who were diagnosed with it did not uh, have a diagnosed early enough to really become the best themselves. And so that they, they weren't, um, uh, I will say, a model Rhett person to look at, and she didn't want us to be fearful. And at the time, I was taken back, but I also am really happy that she didn't because we jumped in then we found a RET organization and they were having a strollathon. So we went immediately to that. And oh, I just broke down because I had never really put two and two together that my daughter who wasn't necessarily crawling might not ever walk. And this strollathon, um, the attendants at that time didn't have anyone who was really mobile. So everybody was in wheelchairs. So I saw this gaggle of disabled girls in different contorted bodies. And I just went into the car and I'm like, I, 
I, I can't be here right now. It was just a lot to take in because it was so new, you know, and, and we thought we were so brave by jumping in feet first so quickly. Um, and in hindsight, maybe I should have taken a day or two to kind of digest the news or a little longer, but my husband's so loving, so wonderful. And so he just, he supported my little emotional breakdown. And now I, I mean, I look at those girls totally differently. Now I, I can see their beauty and I can see all their abilities and gifts. But at the time it was, it was really devastating. And I remember we went on a long hike with her brothers and we went out to this beautiful beach point. We were on a vacation in California and on this um, cliff viewpoint, we shared with them the diagnosis of their sister. And it was a surreal moment. Anyone who has had to share that with somebody they love and that you share space with, it's it's a surreal moment. And um, I won't forget that either because I, I felt like it was an out-of-body experience in a way. And they didn't really know how to digest it. They were, you know, they were still fairly young. They were about five and, uh, and, and well, almost 12, like 11 ish. And um, so it was different for them to think about what their lives would look like. You know, I think all of us grieved differently and together. And um, I'm really happy to say we've all come through that and out of that. I'm not going to tell you that there aren't days I still get emotional or break down. Um, when I wish she could do something differently, or I wish, you know, it's those. And a lot of times it's my desires that make me break down. It's not necessarily Lucy, but, um, now we look at it instead of being a curse or a horrible thing that we are lucky to have such a gift or such an angel in our home, because it has given our family a unity that many families strive for and it has given us direction and it has made us slow down in certain areas even though other areas are more chaotic and um whenever lucy is enabled or people take the time to get to know her they are touched too so i feel like we have this opportunity to give peace to those who might not have that or to show love to those who might not feel that or see what that looks like. And it's truly, it's truly a gift and a pleasure actually to mother her and to have her living in our house. It's, we miss her when we're not there. And even for a bulk of hours, or if I'm gone for a little bit, it's I was always like, where's Lucy or how was her day? Or you want to go up and touch her or, or feel her energy. It's definitely missed when we're not together. That's a lot. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> that was a roller coaster <laughs> of emotions and I enjoyed well, every second it of it. Is, right? It's up, it's down, it's Always. over, it's yeah. curved. Yeah. Always. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You, you shared a, a little bit about your grieving experience, but one of the things that I don't think we've had an opportunity to hear about is, is what were, what was some of the grieving like for her brothers? Hmm. Uh, it's obviously you know, difficult for siblings, um, especially those that are more mature uh, when 
when their sister yeah. or brother receives the diagnosis, it would, it would certainly be hard. Our situation is different because Zoe is the oldest. She's the oldest. Yes. <laughs> That's yeah. all that her brothers have known. And on top of that, they are very young. So they yeah. still don't even comprehend. I mean, Sammy was nine months old. Yeah. So when Zoe got her um, diagnosis. So, so. so how was that for you guys? What, what did, what did her brothers do? Yeah, that was interesting. So at first, you know, when we went on that hike, they were very quiet and thought about it. And then I was concerned because what does that look like? We're a super active family. So immediately we knew some of those activities in the future might not happen. Um, they were both um, in a plethora of sports. What does that look like when you go and you attend a sporting event? And here comes your sister in a wheelchair or somebody has to leave early to change or if she she doesn't have reflex anymore but at the time if she reflexed you know some of those can be embarrassing moments for siblings but whenever I ask them about it they're like we don't care mom we get it you know and they were proud to introduce her which gave me confidence and courage too and they both sat on a sibling panel at a rec conference and uh they basically said or told other siblings, I should say as well to, you know, have courage and and faith in in who we are and what we can do and how we interact with our beautiful sister. We can take more than you think. And so that made me realize that maybe some of the feelings I thought they would have were more put on them by me or what I was thinking. Now, with that being said, I have seen different interactions. When we took our oldest to college, that is a horrible moment if you haven't gone through that yet. You want that. You want them to leave the nest confidently. (laughs) But when it happens, if you love them and they're an integral part, it's it's like you cut off your arm. And the middle brother said, who is going to go with me when I ask so-and-so to a dance, you know, or who is going to be my confidant? Cause he was used to that to his brother. And that kind of hurt because it made me realize, Hmm, he doesn't really look at Lucy that way, you know, maybe because she's nonverbal and she can't give that feedback, but um, he tells her a lot of secrets. In fact, that son no matter how old he just turned 20 he will go and snuggle up with her in bed and like just share secrets or say or share different things with her and so that's changed but i think that is one way some thoughts that they had um and i think there are tricky moments they've had to share themselves and be more selfless they're going to be tremendous parents and fathers when they have that opportunity because of that they're very kind to those with other disabilities they have a different outlook because they've had to live with it so and and that was forced upon them you know they couldn't say oh i i you know i need some mom time or i need some dad time or i really want this because they had to wait until their sister was taken care of so some of it was forced upon them but they seem to do very well and it served them well as they have gotten older. So that would be an interesting question now for them as well of, of you know, are, do you still have grieving moments or what does that look like? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You, you mentioned that they are, um, well, I don't know if you, 
if, if it would be appropriate to say that they almost feel drawn towards those with disabilities. At least that's yeah. how I feel now yes. is I see those yeah. individuals do. Does it, how do, how do I say this? Is it oftentimes I feel like people look at those who are otherly abled and they have pity on them mm. for your sons. Do they have that pity or is it, I'm excited because I, I understand you. Yes. It's more that it's not pity. It's more, they recognize that that's an individual and they want to go connect with them and make sure they know that somebody else believes in them and recognizes that too. And we didn't have that as a family before Lucy. That's something she has given us. I would notice people who were maybe different. And I always thought I was kind or nice to them by maybe waving or I don't know, something small. And now it's almost laughable because now you can sniff something out in a heartbeat. Once you have it in your family, nobody else, you know, a letter of other people can't, but you're like, wait a minute, they just did something with their hand or wait a minute, you know, they answered differently. And instead of waiting or just kind of allowing that moment to go by, I think everybody in our family now seizes that opportunity um, unless it doesn't seem right to go over and introduce and ask and befriend because for us, that means the world to us when somebody does that, instead of just looking and wondering, it's okay to ask, you know, or what, why, why can't she go up the stairs by herself? Or why can't she go down that slide? Or why doesn't she feed herself with a spoon? We see a lot of looks like that because we have mm -hmm. to help Lucy eat and have a drink. And of course her little yellow wheelchair is, you know, all over the place. But I would think that I, I know that our family reaches out to others like that much more because we have Lucy as an example for us. Yeah. yeah. I, we, I don't think any of us want pity who are part of this community. I don't think those who have disabilities want pity. I, uh, I think they want to be, accepted for who mm -hmm. they are. Mm -hmm. uh, I think they want to be seen. And yeah. that's what being part of not just a Rett syndrome community, but, uh, you know, an extension of, of the disability community has yeah. taught me. And I, I, I'm the same as you. I get really excited when I, I see somebody, I'm like, I think that's CP. I think that's the cerebral yeah. palsy. Okay. <laughs> and then I see another person I, I, and I start to, you know, pick stuff out and I, I want to connect with these people and, and say, yeah. I see you. I, 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 you don't have to do anything to be approved of. You are accepted. You are loved you, and, and you can do whatever it is that you want to accomplish. And that's, that's definitely one of the greatest things that we've gotten out of. Oh yeah. Having Zoe. In yeah, for sure. I approached a mom um, fairly recently after Lucy was diagnosed in a park because I started to have those new eyes and she had um, a child that had some disabilities and I reached out to her and we started talking at the end. I said, why do you think, you know, there's so much more autism, there's so much more, you know, X, Y, and Z. And, and I know that I have new eyes, so I see it more, but it just seems like, you see more kids or you, you see more of those disabilities out and about. And her answer to me and her child was, hmm, I'm trying to remember, I want to say 
probably 10 years older than Lucy. So definitely an, an older our child. And she told me it's because the world needs how to love quicker. And it kind of threw me back because I expect her to say, oh, it's because of vaccinations or all the crappy food we eat, you know, <laughs> one of those answers. And um, I won't ever forget that. And that was her parting words to me. And I got in the car and I think I've been stewing over that for the last, well, Lucy's 14. So probably nine, 10 years. <laughs> but I, I really believe, like you said, when you want to reach out and connect and accept and love, these kiddos give you that ability um, through them and by them. It's very true. It's very true because you end up seeing the world through different eyes. Uh, the grieving yeah. process, I think, is what forces or at least forced me to almost take this 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 blinder that was you know covering my eyes because as a society, we build it, and obviously being that Lucy is in a wheelchair, you guys are much more in tune to this than than Sarah and I are thus far. Uh, we're just barely starting to become more and more aware of these things, but we build our society around uh, people who are typically abled. And mm -hmm. so because of that, we essentially shut out anybody who may be different. Mm -hmm. I, I recently watched a video of, uh, sometimes I like watching videos about trains. Uh, I'll, I'll <laughs> confess this. I don't know why uh, I do sometimes. He does. <laughs> but in, in London, just recently, they opened up a new train line called the Elizabeth huh. line. And they built this train line with no steps from the platform to the train. Yeah. And the gentleman who was uh, presenting what was going on, he found an individual who was in a wheelchair, went up to him and he said, tell me about your experience getting on the train today. And he's mm -hmm. like, it was amazing. I didn't have to wait for a, a, a step to come down. I didn't have to wait for a ramp to be pulled out. I didn't have to wait for anything. I was just able to roll on. Yeah. Uh, also getting down to the train because it is an underground, they, they have a, a, an elevator that goes alongside the escalator. That was just oh. part of the design process. That's beautiful. Just, That's awesome. we need to make it accessible for everyone. And obviously yeah. we have a ways to go because there's so much that has to be retrofitted to make it accessible for yeah. everyone. But for me, it, it took off this blinder that was there that I just didn't, subconsciously, I didn't want to see these people. I didn't mm -hmm. want to acknowledge mm -hmm. their existence because it, it is hard. Mm -hmm. It is hard to think about the responsibilities of helping and caring for somebody who is differently abled. Uh, obviously, mm -hmm. in Zoe's situation and, Lu and Lucy's situation where we're having to feed her, mm -hmm. you know, we're having to feed our children and that's going to be for every single meal, every single mm -hmm. snack, uh, that's for every single drink, uh, mm -hmm. everything. It's a lot and it, it, it takes a toll. And yeah. so... But, but then the, the ramifications of having to do all of that are you become more selfless, I think. You yeah. recognize that you need to be observant of what others are experiencing and going through and be able and willing to make changes and adjustments to yourself. Mm -hmm. So that way everyone is leading a happy, healthy life. Yeah. Well, and I think it's, for me at least, it's helped with bringing up our other kids 
-hmm. because I'm much more aware of the possible things that Zoe is going to need and mm -hmm. I'm anticipating those. So now I've started anticipating them for our boys as well. Uh -huh. And so it's, it's made me a better parent for our younger kids mm -hmm. because I'm just more aware of, okay, Zoe, she just got home. She's going to want this and this and this, but I'll wait for her to tell me, you know, whatever it is mm -hmm. that she wants. But if she's doing that, then I know my boys are going to be doing that too. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, it's, it's just made me a better parent all around. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, being that you guys are essentially the inverse of us, <laughs> uh, our, our situation is when um, we're doing snack time with the kids, we will invite the boys to help feed Zoe. And obviously yeah. a four-year-old and a two-year-old, it doesn't work out great every single time. Yeah. But I do think they're becoming much better. They are. Um, they're reminding us about helping Zoe with different things. Uh, as of late, when they themselves go get a snack from the cupboard, they get one for uh -huh. Zoe as well. It's nice. not two, it's three. Yeah. And, yeah. and they want to involve her in that. What was that experience for you and your sons? Was, was there an encouragement needed? And, um, or were they kind of self-starters in assisting? Um, they're both different personalities. So one, I think does a little bit more self-starting. The other one needed a little bit more opportunities. So, um, you know, we, we would ask like, do you mind, you know, give her a couple bites while we're doing this. And that was always funny because Lucy actually, when she's, she loves to eat and we're very lucky because some rec girls, as you know, lose that ability and, or have a G tube and, we've made a family commitment that we don't care how long it takes. So sometimes it can be a 30 minute meal. Sometimes it's an hour, hour and a half, but we kind of enjoy that time. 99.9% .9 of the time, the other 5% <laughs> we're like, dang, just girl, just eat, you know, you're yeah. taking so long. But um, because of the length of that or, and or needing to help other, the children or something else, then we'll say, Hey, can you give her a bite? And when she's really going, she opens her mouth like a bird and she eats, just as quickly as anyone else. And so she'll open her mouth and I'll come in and she's like looking around like, ah, ah, ah. and, and her brother's like, uh, we don't have phones at the table, but if I'm not around, there might be something there or I don't, they're doing something, you know? And I'm like, okay, she's waiting for a bite. You know, she's letting, you know, feed me Seymour. Feed me. <laughs> so um, it was a little combination. And of course, as they've gotten older, then they really cue in. But I think that is one thing I wish I had been told um, or I had been shared with me. And that is when you have um, a disability in your house, you need to rally your team and you need to allow them to help you in those bad moments too. And unfortunately, we didn't want it to be a burden on anyone, including uh -huh. our boys sometimes. And so my husband and I try to do it all. And I feel like that has backfired just a little bit because those who, who truly love her, even close family, don't necessarily feel comfortable doing things because we haven't given them the opportunity or we do it so they don't have to, or it's like, no, 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 I can do that. You know, or, I mean, and that kind of runs through a lot of different things. And I wish I had heard somebody say that 
maybe more than once because as Lucy's gotten older, now she's bigger, you know, she's dead weight. She's like this huge cat. I'm only five, <laughs> four and Lucy is just barely, I'm trying to think when you measured last, she's probably eight inches shorter than me. And so she is dead weight and she's all legs. I have munchkin legs. She's really long legs. And so even picking her up or moving her or um, changing positions is tricky. And we, we are finding that we need to open up this community of help. And I hate asking for help. That's not in my blood. I just want to do it all. And I want to give to other people, but not ask. And I'm finding I need to do that. And I've missed, I've missed the mark because remember how I said she's a gift. Well, we get that. And anyone who helps her and is intricately involved with her receives a little bit of that gift of her. And so that's one of my goals this year is to allow more people to help her and, and help us. Mm-hmm. and um, and show them the way so that they feel comfortable, you know, because they need to feel comfortable too, and not everybody does everything. But this might be a little bit TMI, so feel free no, no, to no, no. Um, do this I, out. <laughs> I think, no, I think this is fantastic because, because you're absolutely right. First off, you're absolutely right. Um, I was actually talking to, who is it? Oh, I was talking, <laughs> I was talking to my therapist. I was talking to my mm-hmm. therapist about this. Um, where I, I have a problem as well, asking for help because I am the one that should be able to do it all, of course. Um, (laughs) and me and my therapist were talking about it and I was like, you know, I know that I need to be better about letting other people help. And part of that goes into, you know, self-care Right. Because if you're trying to do everything yourself, you can't take care of yourself. If you're Mm -hmm. trying to do it all, it's it's impossible. There's just too much on your plate. So I'm curious, how do you separate your self-care and your caregiving? Like, how do you make how do you make that work? Because you I have think I'm a really good example. Well, well, I, a little bird on. told me, a little bird told me that I should ask you about this. Oh, because oh, I don't know what bird that is. Maybe it's because I need to work on it more, <laughs> but I, I do try to sometimes I think, I think what people say is self-care is what they should look at because self-care doesn't mean you have to have a whole day to yourself or even four hours to yourself. It could mean I'm going to take a little longer in the shower or I'm going to play the music I'd like in the car and, and maybe drive the long way, you know, or it can look something like that. Or for me, um, this is something simple and it doesn't take a lot, but during the heavy time of the pandemic, we got a rescue dog and we walk it a lot. Well, after everybody was in bed, we live, of course, I have to remind you, I'm in this like mountain village. Everybody knows everybody's business and like everybody will watch out for us. And so we actually walk around our block at night when it's dark, about 10 PM, usually with the dog, just my husband and I holding hands. And that has become our favorite thing. And it takes literally 
15 minutes because we don't run into people. We're both chatty. If it's early in the day, we'll see people. <laughs> but late at night, there's not too many people out there. And that is the best self-care we have done in a long time. Just sometimes we talk, sometimes we don't. We're just there breathing together, walking. In the summer, I like to go barefoot. I'm one of those hippies. I like to like ground, you know, in the dirt and <laughs> sidewalk and my feet get all crusty. I don't have pedicures. If I do, they make fun of me. Um, but I, I love that. And then um, I'm trying to do better. Maybe what, that's what the little bird said. And so I'm trying to, again, that comes to ask for help, right? Of, yeah. are you okay if I do this after, after work or, or just, and you know, I'm the worst person. It's like asking myself permission of, am I okay to do this for myself? So um, I'm learning to do better. And it's a solid reminder, actually, at the at the RET conference uh-huh. that we had just gone to in Nashville. I attended a breakout session on that. And that reminded me how critical it is for my mental health. And a lot of us have to take surveys or fill things out for um, maybe drug trials or for doctors. And there's always that page on how are you doing? And I'm like, Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. And then they ask the question, when's the last time, you know, you got away or that without, without child or without something. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I don't, you know, it's like never. And uh-huh. so, so I think it's definitely something to work on. And I, I know the, the old adage of you've got to take care of yourself first before you can take care of others. So we're trying to do better and we're taking small steps. And I'm trying to honor also seeing that those small steps are still valuable nuggets for me to have. Yeah. Um, and, and learning how to do it and giving myself grace to do it too. When I think, so, so I really like that you were saying that it doesn't have to be, you know, a whole day or four hours. It can be just the little, the little moments. And I've, I've, I have also been working on this. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and I've been trying to keep in mind that, you know, we have, We have wants and we have needs. And I feel like a lot of time I personally put my needs in the the want column. Mm. These are the things that I want to do, but Mm. these are the things that I need to do. And typically Mm -hmm. none of my self-care ends up in the need to do Mm. column, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which it should Mm -hmm. because, you know, those things need to happen so that I can physically and mentally be present and be a, you know, up to reach my potential. There you go. Yeah. Reach my potential. And so I've, I've come to realize that, you know, I need to move, I need to reprioritize what I actually consider our wants Mm. and what I actually consider our needs. Cause a lot of times eating healthy is a want, whereas unloading the dishwasher is a need. And I'm like, Mm. really though? Why? Why is that? (laughs) What if you like put on a candle or some good music and did those dishes? Would that change it? Maybe. Actually, it might. (laughs) Probably not. No. (laughs) No, it's dishes. Let's be clear. Dishes are dishes and nobody's happy to do them. So. (laughs) 
Well, okay, so I, I your what you just shared gave me a little thought, and I'm going to keep going back to this over and over again because uh, I, I I just want to pick your brain um, because okay. you are uh, the inverse of of our situation, and all we've known mm-hmm. is is being a family who has a child that's that's different. Um, uh-huh. And so that's, that's our situation. Before Lucy came along, did you on your own or your husband on his own or the two of you together ever feel guilty about doing stuff for yourselves? Or did that Ooh. begin when that guilt, and at least for me, oftentimes shame. Oh, it's definitely did, guilt and did shame. That, did that begin yeah. to creep in when Lucy came along? Yeah, more so because there's always something you can be doing for Lucy or you should be doing for Lucy. Or when you have other children, then it's like we always talk about like we're juggling all these balls in in all these different arenas, right? There's family life, there's therapy life, there's medical life, there's equipment. I mean, there's so many juggling acts you're doing. And whenever we go, hey, we're doing really good. We're doing really good all of a sudden one's dropped and we're like, Oh, we got to pick that one back up. So we pick up that ball. We're doing good. And all something else drops, but I'll tell you what, that fifth ball of self-care, it's hardly ever up there because it's like, yeah, we can get along with our life. Okay. As long as we don't have to juggle that ball. (laughs) You kick it around. Yeah. You kick it against the wall every once in a while and it bounces back and you're like, all right, cool. That was, that was enough. So yeah, but it's amazing when you do it, but I would say yes. When Lucy came along, um, those moments where you could get away or you, or you felt really great about it, um, shrunk pretty quickly. Yeah. I think the best days that we have are when we schedule that self-care time. Um, and that might mean something a little longer, or it might mean my husband loves to walk through this one kind of curated bookstore and he'll do that or he'll get like his favorite ice cream. You know, he actually does it better than me because he's a really calm type B personality. I have the type A (laughs) where I'm running around and I have the to-do list all the time. And if it's not on my to-do list, I'm going to write it down so I can check it off, you know, to make myself feel good. Uh (laughs) But the the best days for both of us and especially me for self-care is if I kind of schedule it because then it gives me that, I, it's like, then I have it planned in my day because as you know, your days can go all over. You can plan to have this beautifully orchestrated day. doesn't matter if you have a ret child or a typically developing child and something can change and you have to pivot and be very fluid. So if, if I have something scheduled, I tend to try to make that happen or I'm like, I, or I, or I just, I, I could make up for it. Because it's really definitely on my agenda in a way. All right. I've, I've got a really cool thing that I came across today okay. that I was really excited about. But then I was kind of like, eh, it doesn't necessarily work. But then I figured out a solution. <laughs> Scrolling through TikTok when I'm supposed to be getting mm-hmm. some stuff done, you know, as you do. <laughs> uh-huh. And I come across this video. This woman has on her fridge a clock. And if you don't know what time blocking is, that's essentially yeah. sitting down and writing out what your day is going to be. Mm-hmm. Almost exactly what you're talking yeah. about there, but it is going 
for the whole day. Now, it's not necessarily, you know, for five minutes, I'm going to do this and two minutes, I'm going to do that in a half hour. It's, it's big chunks of time, you know, for two hours, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to clean bathrooms. And then Mm -hmm. for an hour, uh, I'm going to uh, read a book or whatever. Anyways, this woman did it for scheduling her kids' days during the summer. She has very young children, mm. and she's like, you know, yeah, I, I want to have a schedule, and I want to keep them on stuff. She just went to Walmart and got a rink-a-dink clock. Uh, she took out the inner stuff, which it really wasn't that hard, and she just printed out a time block schedule, and she put it inside of there, and then... She put it up on her fridge and the kids can see after gluing magnets on the back, the kids can go in and see, okay, so right now we are doing playtime. Okay, do playtime. Go and do whatever you want. Okay, in just a little bit, we're going to be able to do snacks and so on and so forth, right? The reason why at first I was like, oh, that's cool, but wow. would it really work? Well, I mean, the, these clocks are so cheap. You can get multiple clocks and say, okay, I want to have three different options or five different options. Mm-hmm. And you can mm-hmm. hang them up in a closet and you're like, okay, today it's going to be number three option. And you throw it up on your yeah. fridge and you're good to go. Uh, I, I wonder if that would be a way for people to maybe add self-care into yeah. their life is having these a clock or putting it into your calendar as a reminder to do mm-hmm. something. And I, I do think personally, at least for me, it's important to, to vary that. Uh, maybe, sure. maybe one day it's a, it's a reminder to take 15 minutes and maybe another mm-hmm. day it's a reminder to take two, three, even that four hours, mm-hmm. uh, find what works best for you and, and then just give it a try. Mm-hmm. Give it a try. And so anyways, I'm going to put a, a link to that mm-hmm. in, in the awesome. show notes because it yeah. was really cool. So, yeah. So yes. that, and actually, that goes back to that respite kind of having that greater team, right? Because mm-hmm. if you need somebody to help you with your children or your animal or whatever, you have to be able to ask. And I think if somebody, if you ask somebody to say, I'd like to schedule this whatever amount of time, you know, to go on a walk or to do this, would you mind coming over and staying, you know, with Lucy? I think a lot of people would do that for me. It's just that initial ask, you know? So, so maybe put some tips in there too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Building, building a team. Uh, We, we talk, we have talked on the podcast before about you build an IEP team Yes. to support your, your child's mm-hmm. education, building a respite team, a, yeah. a group of individuals that you can maybe call on regularly, or it could mm-hmm. be even irregular for longer mm-hmm. periods of time. I, I think that'd be a great thing to do. Mm-hmm. We should do that. Yeah, we should. Mm-hmm. We, should do we do not have a respite team. We, yeah. we are not good about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we should... We should definitely do that. Um, so something that I thought of while you were talking about the clock, I saw this woman. She's She does a podcast, and she's not related to, like, or she's not in, like, the disability community at all. But she has a list of self-care things. Mm-hmm. So it's just, like, this long list, and some of them take – two minutes, some of them take two hours, 
but she just keeps a running list in her phone. And then whenever, I forget what she calls this list, but whenever she has a little bit of spare time, she looks at the list and says, okay, what do I have time for? Mm-hmm. And then it's already there. Cause I feel like mm-hmm. sometimes I have the time to do the self care, mm-hmm. but then I don't remember what things I could be doing. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it all just leaves my mind. And then I end up eating ice cream or popcorn and watching the office. Right. <laughs> because that is my go-to. That's not a bad one. It's not a bad one, but when you're doing it every single time. Yeah. Cause you, then you it's get, like, it's not really self care at that point. It's an it's obsession. A routine. Well, yeah. I, th- I think, it, I think it would be more, uh, the issue would become a routine. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you could do that for a, a week, two weeks in a row. You could do, you could That's be reading true. a book as part of your self care for an extended that period of time. But you, I, I think you're right in having a list that you can refer to that you have the option that's already been yeah. created. You don't have to use your brain power to, right. to rediscover what it is that's going to help you have that moment to reset. It's, it's there. And so you can yeah. look at it and say, you know what? Yeah, I do want to watch the office and eat ice cream again today. Okay, great. But then the next day you may be like, okay, I, it's now been a solid year of me doing this. I, I'm done. I want to move on to something else. Great. Your list yeah. is there ready to go. I, yeah. I think that's great. Have you ever heard of the principle of ceiling and floors? No. Uh-uh. Okay. This is a doozy and this could work for self-care. And I do it only in one area of my life. But so the idea is the ceiling is the pinnacle, you know, that maybe the ceiling is I'm going to use, I'm going to use yoga or exercise. So the ceiling is I'm going to do yoga every single day. So that's like the very top thing. And maybe it's an hour of yoga or whatever it is, but the floor is what is the bare minimum of that kind of goal or the thing you want to achieve. And so the floor, instead of saying, I'm going to do an hour of yoga every day that has instruction, I'm going to actually I'm just going to stretch my, okay, I'm going to say, I'm going to think of one thing. I'm going to do a cat cow, which is basically is like a back stretch. I'm going to do, that's my, that's my floor. And so if you make that goal of may, you might not be able to hit your ceiling, but you're still making progress and working towards that by hitting that floor. If you look back, it's like, I've done yoga every single day this year because at least I've hit my floor. I've done that one stretch. And one thing for me for self-care, I am so exhausted at the end of the day. Uh I can be asleep before my husband stops brushing his teeth. Like I just, as soon as I get horizontal, I'm like the energizer buddy and then I'm done and I'm out. And I will collapse, totally collapse into bed. I, I, I'm awful. I'll brush my teeth. But so one of the things I do is I like to wash my face, which sounds crazy, with hot water at night and um, put a little lotion on. And um, not only does it smell good, but it makes me feel clean. But for me, it gives me that tiny bit of pampering. And okay, how long does that take me? That takes me probably, I don't know, that takes longer for the hot water to heat up in my sink <laughs> than for me to wash my face. So you're talking about minutes, but there's so many nights where I'm so exhausted. I just crash into bed. But when I do that, if I do that little bit, just that tiny bit of 
this moment is for me. And, and also this is the trick. You have to be in that moment. Mm. I cannot be thinking about, you know, I talked about my to-do list. I can't be thinking about my to-do list for the next day or what I didn't accomplish. Um, anything like that. It's like, I'm in that moment, enjoying that hot water, the smells before I jump into bed. Oh my goodness. I get into bed and I have a whole different, like peaceful energy mm-hmm. because I've just, loved myself for that two minutes. So that's my floor of self-care that I'm trying to do is that's what I'm going to do at night. So you can check back with me and see how I'm doing. on my (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise I have a whole bucket list of things that are my ceiling, but that whole ceiling and floor kind of makes you feel not guilty, but also like I'm making progress and I can choose from a list. I think it incorporates a lot of what you're both saying. Well, I love that. I love that because I, so personally, I have a really hard time with setting goals and reaching them because I don't have a ceiling and a floor. I just have a ceiling. So if I don't have the time to get to my ceiling or if I don't have, you know, for whatever reason, I'm not going to make my ceiling that day. I'm just like, oh, well, can't reach it. Not going to do it not going to try because I know I can't, like I don't have the time or, or whatnot. So I love that there's two, I love the floor. I love this. It would really work for your kids too. It's pretty amazing. And I'm thinking of those with disabilities, right? They're having a crappy day, so they can't go in a stander or they can't use equipment, Mm -hmm. but let's just, let's just move their ankles around when, you know, you put their socks on. I don't know. I think, I think, we need to give ourselves more grace because everybody's so busy and we live in a world of busyness and, um, and we create that busyness and a lot of people thrive on that, but we need that. We need those spaces of time. Yeah. We, sure. I, I think we could, we could relate this to uh, somebody who is trying to manage their weight from day to day, you could be doing the same, like, well, not the same, but you could be consistent in your exercise and what you're eating. Um, you could be doing everything right. And you could have one day where, you know, your weight all of a sudden just, it goes really high out of the blue. And then another day that it drops really low and you're like, okay, wait a second, what's going on? This isn't, this isn't right either. That's part of life. You're going to have those highs. You're going to have those lows. And you need to be comfortable living on living on a spectrum, essentially, throughout life, where mm. you will have good and you will have bad. And that is okay. And I, I, I think one of the best parts about having a child right, right now with a disability is the focus is more on um, let's let's try something. It may work. It may not. Uh, you may understand this concept. You may not. You may have this ability. You may not. But you know, let's give it a try. And I I see that bleeding over from just people generally are giving themselves more grace, as you said, mm-hmm. Anna. It, and that's mm-hmm. important to be okay with having days that aren't great. And yeah. and then when you have a great day and the next day is average saying, yeah, that's, that is life. Yeah. You will yeah. have amazing days and then it goes back to normal and yeah. you just have your normal and 
that is what it is and it's okay. Yeah. And isn't it beautiful as time goes on, how you can flip it and go, even my failure or my worst days actually can be learning or successful when you can look at it with those fresh eyes, you know, of, of what did I learn from that failure or that day that was so bad. Having, having that personal reflection. Yeah. Incredibly important because if you're not able to not, not necessarily be critical of yourself, but acknowledge that you have faults and it is okay. And finding ways for you to over, overcome your weaknesses. But then once again, using that ceilings and floors model of, okay, there will be times that I am going to hit the floor. And in fact, I'll go through to the basement uh, <laughs> straight to hell and it's going to be bad. Yeah. And it's okay. It is okay that you're going to have those uh, but you will have other days so long as you're being self-reflective and open to the fact that you will have the opportunity to do better. Yeah. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Well, Anna, this has been an absolutely incredible conversation. Yes. I really <laughs> appreciate you sharing about your family, about your story. And I have so much to think about now. Yeah, my my brain is like going crazy. <laughs> it's good. It's good crazy. It's a good kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Are you going to be able to sleep tonight? No. Okay. No, well. I'm not. <laughs> Wash your face. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> there you, go. <laughs> you can incorporate that. You learned a new tool. But thank you for for opening up to us, and thank you for sharing a bit about yourself. Um, it has been a delight to get to know you. And even though we don't have Lucy on the podcast right now, she sounds like an absolutely wonderful person. And I hope that we get the opportunity to meet her someday uh, because she sounds like she is uh, a light and can just really make people's lives happier. You guys are rock stars. Thank you for all you do. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you once again to Anna for coming on and sharing her story and telling us a little bit about how she tries to (laughs) self-care. She was very adamant that she has a ways to go in improving in that. But I think all of us do as parents and just individuals. It's it's not a priority. That's not emphasized in school. No. It's not. <laughs> like you said, there's needs and there's wants. And you need to take care of your needs before you can take care of any of your wants. And It's reprioritizing your wants and needs so that they are actually. Well, they're equal. Yeah, they should, they should be equal. And you need to prioritize timelines, I think is probably yes. more what it is. What is time sensitive? I don't know. I need to edit what's on which list. (laughs) That's probably good too. So, all right, Sarah, it is time for another Can't Leave It. Can't Leave It. What can you not leave? Well, all of our electronics stuff. Yes. So I went through our house. I grabbed the random bins of electronics that are that were hiding under our bed. Mm-hmm. I grabbed all the electronics in our office. Mm-hmm. 
all like the cords, the random chargers that are everywhere. Mm -hmm. I took all of them and I put them on a table and then they sat there for (laughs) three weeks, four weeks. Yep. Yep. (laughs) And then I was like, okay. Cause I felt like I couldn't do anything Mm -hmm. with this stuff. Cause I didn't know what anything went to. Yeah. And then I was like, you know what? No, I can do something. I can organize them. Mm -hmm. So I went through and I bound up each and every cord. And then I grouped them together. This one's an HDMI to an HDMI. This one's an HDMI to a something else. (laughs) This one's a, I forget what. And this is another something else. Uh Another. Well, I have some like that. I have groups like that too, where I'm like, this is a something else to a something else. I know they're different. Don't know what they are, mm-hmm. but they are now in a group in a bag and they are all together. So, and let me tell you what it did. It did a lot. Just organizing them and putting them in bags together. We can actually find which cords are where now. Well, you, you probably can. I have no idea. I labeled each of the bags. Yeah. Well, the thing is, as soon as you pack that box away, I'm never going to see it again. I don't know what. <laughs> I'm just saying. You'd rather scramble through the no. mess of cords. No, that's, and not, then, that's not what I'm saying. Because I feel like when you scramble through the mess of cords, we still end up buying new cords because you can't find the one you're we looking do. for. Exactly. No, what I am saying is oftentimes when you do this, I'm not complaining about this, stuff gets put away as you should do with stuff. Oh, but then you can't find it. But then I have no idea where it is. <laughs> More often than not, because you don't tell me where it is. And so then I'm like, oh, whoa, whoa, hey, whoa, where, whoa, where whoa, it whoa. It's this not that a, I don't it's not tell a criticism. you. It's not a criticism. I tell you where it is. You just don't remember. Therefore, you don't tell me. That it, is not how that If I don't remember works. it, how did you tell me? You didn't tell me if I don't remember I it. I can tell you things. <laughs> I can still, it's, I still told you. Here's the thing. If a tree falls in a forest. Oh, good heavens. What is your can't leave it? Just, no, no. Just what is your can't leave it? Just move on. Popcorn. Popcorn is your can't leave it? Well, so you came home, what was it? Like two or three weeks ago with Kroger popcorn? I did. No, it was like a month ago. It's been a long time. It's been a while. But you came home with that and I was like, okay, cool. We're doing Kroger, like, I, I don't have an issue with, it was you know, cheap. off-brand. Like, it was cheaper. It's fine. But we we popped it. It's the best dang popcorn. Right? Thank you for saying that. It is, it is cheaper and superior to stupid Orville. Right. And crappy Act 2. Yeah. And any other garbage, great value. <laughs> it's all garbage compared to this Kroger it's stuff. It's so good. Like, <laughs> You you purchased that box. We went through it way too quickly. It was uh, like a it was, twenty-four. It was just you box. and I. It was a huge box. Just you and I eating it. Very embarrassing. And <laughs> we went there very quickly. And then I was at Walmart and was like, "Oh yeah, I'll get more popcorn." Mm-hmm. And I got the brand stuff. And I was like, "This is crap, right?" It was terrible. It wasn't good compared to that stuff. It so, took us a lot longer to get through that box. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I didn't <laughs> want to eat it. It was. Ugh. It wasn't good. So anyways, um, yeah, that popcorn's really good. If you're looking for good popcorn, you can give that a try. <laughs> yes, I agree with that. 
which which one did you get? It was the movie? I think it was the movie theater. Gotcha. Yeah, it was the Kroger movie theater. Yeah, they have a few different options. So, anyways, maybe we'll have to give some of the other ones a try. Never home style. Never should do home style popcorn. Oh. I don't know if I agree with that. Well, we'll 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 tell the people next time then. After we go through this next box of 24. And with that, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts so that you are notified when we publish episodes, which is every other Monday morning. And please leave us a rating on iTunes. Leave us a message or a question on the Anchor app and you could become part of the show. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Pretty Happy Pod where we share episode clips, news and updates, and photos of our adorable daughter. If you would like to be interviewed on the show, reach out to us on any of our social media accounts, or you can send us an email at prettyhappypod at gmail.com. For more information about Rett Syndrome, visit our website.